Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Sagittarius New Moon meeting. Today is November 22nd, 2022. And we appreciate the effort and the sacrifice that some of you in the United States will surely have had to make in order to attend this meeting at this um, lead up to a major holiday, Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is a very fitting um, concept, a very fitting practice that we can appropriate tonight with our theme, reflecting on the stage of the forerunner, this uh, final years of this period in planetary history, which has been so momentous. And we can give thanks for all the many individuals and uh, groups who are part of this uh, new group of world servers, this bridging group that exists in all the different walks of life, all of the different uh, categories of human civilization. In each group, there are people whose lives are sacrificial, who are dedicating themselves to the good of the whole, and who are seeking to bridge between the different ideologies. So this group is composed of many different points of view, but the one quality is a willingness and a goodwill, an attitude of goodwill that seeks to establish right human relationships. So before we get into this any further, let's just begin by linking with each other for a moment of silence followed by the sounding of the mantra of the new group of world servers, which is used each day by many people throughout the world at five o'clock in the evening, wherever you are in whatever part of the world, you can sound this mantra linking up with all the many thousands of others who are likewise doing so. And through that means we can bring life and love and selflessness into the group field and serve to strengthen the hands of this new group of world servers for that's really our work um, that's the keynote of our work at this new moon period so let's just take a brief moment of silence followed by sounding the mantra May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May I fulfill my part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech.
Thank you. This work that we do at the New Moon was first anchored by the Lucis Trust uh, in 1984. We had a seminar on the reappearance of the Christ, and that was our first New Moon meeting. And it was a compliment, um, the other half of, of the Full Moon work, which had been well established for many decades um, during this anchoring of the stage of the forerunner, it was decided that this should now, this lower interlude should now become a part of our work. And so ever since then, we've been gathering together at the new moon to work to concretize, you might say, the energies that are contacted during the higher interlude of the full moon. During that period, the energies pour in and from the abstract mind, find anchoring in the mind, the concrete mind. But now at this lower interlude, this horizontal as aspect of the work, the energies that are in the illumined lower mind are now distributed to the brain and made available to humanity. So it's a, it's a more difficult work, the Tibetan tells us, working in this dark phase of the lunar cycle. It's more difficult to meditate, but we're also working in the dark phase of the annual cycle, the dark phase of the sun's light in the Northern hemisphere. So this is the, we might say the darkest uh, new moon period, and we're approaching the exact time tomorrow at 5.57 PM. So, we often would think that darkness confers an inability to see the light. But as we can see in this image, the darkness also confers the ability to see the many lights in the, in the night sky. And so too, at this new moon period, it can help to reflect to us all the many lights in our world we can come to recognize and support the many new group of world servers members. And the Tibetan says it's a time to strengthen their hands, not necessarily at the new moon specifically, but that's how we've chosen to do it. But that each day at five o'clock, we can dedicate ourselves to doing that, to strengthening the hands of this sacrificial serving group. So when we consider this stage of the forerunner, we're told uh, that it takes place from 1965 until 2025. It's therefore a 60-year period. Um, and it's encompassed within a larger cycle that began in 1825, wherein the Tibetan told us that there was the beginning of this period from 1825 till 2025, a 200 year period, wherein he said there was an intensification of the light going on. And that after this period, the light will gradually begin to lessen. And so because we're in the final almost two, two and a half years, we might say of this stage of the forerunner, 
we might assume that the energies are exponentially intensifying. And it seems to be the case when we look around the world, we look at what's unfolding in our planet on across the board on all the many different levels. There's certainly an incredible um, intensity of light, but at the same time, there is an intensity of challenges that always uh, accompany the light as far as we can uh, see. Excuse me. And so as the light intensifies, the new group of world servers, those who are able and learning to work with the light are given a great opportunity. It's our task to work to establish our alignment, particularly at these interlude periods, um, not only the interludes of the month, but also the interludes of the year. So we're now in the lower interlude of the year that's composed of Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. So during these times, the new group is asked to work to build their alignment, those who stand within the heart center to build our alignment, to extend our alignment to the highest uh, center of our planet through the medium of the hierarchy. We work in conjunction, of course, with the hierarchy and through our ability to align with their aura, we might say, they can take the energies and extend them to the highest center, Shambhala. And then these energies can come in and be released as goodwill in our world. And it is this relationship between the will to good of the discipleship group and the consequent releasing of that energy through our ability to transmute it as goodwill into the world that we can counteract those who work with the forces of materialism who likewise seek to appropriate this will energy, which works out as the will to power in the lower sense of the term, power for the individual, power for the group of those aligned with those materialistic forces. And so when we understand it from this larger perspective of a planetary uh, battle, we might say, we can see that our work as members of the Heart Center who have some understanding of the subjective principles underlying what's going on in the world, which many other members of the new group of world servers do not have, we can see the responsibility that we have to keep the light and the bridge, the Antakarana bridge open so that the materialistic forces cannot take over her planet, basically. That's our, that's our challenge. And we each do that in the ways that we can serve as bridging agents. When I was thinking about how we can work to during this um, stage of the forerunner, 
I thought I would go to the text to find out where it's mentioned in the books. And it's mentioned in a very auspicious series of passages. It's mentioned only one time in the whole 24 volumes of Alice Bailey's work with the Tibetan, the stage of the forerunner. And the area in which it's um, listed is really essentially my understanding of what it is that the new group of world servers, and particularly those, again, who stand in the heart center, are attempting to do. What is it that we're attempting to do through our use of the great invocation, through all of the work that we do in preparation for the reappearance of the Christ, in promoting the three spiritual festivals of the higher interlude, in distributing the books of Alice Bailey, in our work with triangles, in our work with world goodwill, and in our work of supporting the new group of world servers. All of these things, which the Tibetan tells us are our key responsibilities, all of these things are really geared towards fostering an alignment between the three planetary centers, the three primary planetary centers of Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, and humanity, the planetary throat center. And we, as the new group of world servers, stand as the planetary Ajna center. So our work is to become more receptive during these interlude periods to the energies of hierarchy. And the Tibetan tells us that within the hierarchy, there's a kind of a dual process going on. The Chohans, the members who are the most advanced within the hierarchy, the seven primary ashrams, the great ashrams, those members, those masters, and those who pertain to those groups are making their alignment at this time with Shambhala. They're turning their sights to that center. But then there are 49 subsidiary or lesser ashramic centers, and their job is to work more closely with humanity, with the disciples of the world, and to aid us in building that bridge whereby the energies of the spiritual hierarchy can pour forth more fully into all the men and women of goodwill throughout the world. And he speaks of this energy that we are charged with contacting. He describes it as the saving force. And it's interesting to... Um, Consider, therefore, what this saving force is, because it seems that during this time of the forerunner, the stage of the forerunner, when there is this intensification of the light, this saving force is available. It was talked about being available during the Second World War, but it seems that it's likewise available throughout this um, subsequent stage of the forerunner. And the saving force is linked to 
atomic energy to the release of atomic energy and the parallel that is found with that release within the consciousness of humanity, those members who can at least seek to understand somewhat what this saving force is. In the uh, second um, great invocation that was given out and which we're told was used uh, during the war by the discipleship group, there are a couple of passages that relate to this saving force where he says, uh, the invocation says that the men and women of goodwill must stand with massed intent and that this standing with massed intent enables them to become the recipients of this saving force and that through their means this saving force can be shed abroad throughout the consciousness of all humanity and even in this particular section of the teachings it highlights humanity's ability to bring this energy of the saving force not only to humanity as a whole, but also it can percolate or precipitate down into the lower kingdoms in nature, the animal, vegetable, and mineral worlds. And it is therefore emanating from high sources, emanating from the great and highest center of our planet, but it's precipitating down from the highest to the very lowest within the mineral world. And so our task, again, is to do what we can to become receptive to the energies of the ashrams. And just to say for those of you who might be new to this work, the energies of these ashrams, the energies that... Um, we're describing when we speak of ashramic work. These are not; these are very different than the ashrams that many of us might be familiar with. Uh, spiritual ashrams, often associated with India, often associated with uh, different spiritual groups in the United States and other parts of the world. These are uh, very different. The ashrams that we're speaking of are states of consciousness that exist within the spiritual hierarchy, the heart center of the planet. And so our task is to become receptive to this ashramic energies, and we can do so most um, powerfully during these lunations of the higher and lower interlude. So, one of the tasks which we'll be discussing in our um, discussion period, which will follow after our meditation, is this idea that one of the paramount activities and tasks of the new group of world servers is to hold a vision before the eyes of humanity. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. And we can see the incredible need for this vision at this time and how fortunate we are to have a sense of vision and to be able to tap into 
what is precipitating, which is the plan for our planet. This plan is unfolding over long, long cycles of time. But during each period in our planetary life, there is a particular aspect of the plan, which is differentiated through the seven rays into these 49 ashrams that I mentioned earlier. Each of these different ashramic groups has a particular energy that they are aligned with, a particular task to unfold and to share within this great um, task of bringing the vision before the eyes of humanity. And so we might want to, and we probably have in preparation with this, for this meeting, pondered what it is that's seeking to precipitate, what it is that's seeking to precipitate through our groups, through our particular nation, and through the world as a whole. What is it that the hierarchy is seeking to precipitate into human consciousness? They tap in to the intuition. We often speak glibly of being able to do so ourselves. And Sagittarius is a key energy with which we can attempt to make that alignment. But realistically, it is the spiritual hierarchy, those members of the hierarchy that are charged with working with the human kingdom. It is they who can contact this intuition. And we, through our means of building the bridge within consciousness, can then in turn tap into a measure of that greater light. So that's one of the tasks that we have for our discussion period. And so let's now move into our meditation, strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. Let's take a moment of silence to link up with each other as a group, fusing ourselves, linking with all other groups and individuals throughout the world who are likewise preparing for this approach to the new moon. Sound the mantra. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. We mentally extend a lighted energy from that point, but anchoring ourselves there towards the spiritual hierarchy, 
the planetary heart center. And then we project the line of lighted energy towards the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy. And we extend that alignment towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. interlude. Hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression, meditating the plan into existence.
meditation. Reflect on the sita through the impression and expression of certain great ideas. Humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world servers.
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet. From Shambhala, through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world servers, through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, through the hearts and minds of the whole human family. Lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world servers, so building the thought form of solution to world problems.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light, love, and power. From the point of light, within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love, within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now we come to the third and final stage of our work together this evening, where you can see on the screen a couple of questions and um, for reflection. And we'd like to hear from you either through the chat box or by raising your hand using the reactions button. And we can unmute your microphone. Um, and these are just suggested uh, thoughts to ponder. What role does vision play in the emergence of the plan? And what is vision for both the group, your nation, and the world? What is the vision that you see emerging at this time? So if anyone has any thoughts, now's the time to share them. Think of it as your contribution to the group work. 
And of course, we all contribute through our meditation, but we can also co contribute through sharing our thoughts. Tom, I see you have your hand raised. Can you unmute your microphone? There you go. Whoops. I see you've muted it again. Um, can you unmute now? There you go. Thank you for uh, leading us through <clears throat> the first part of the meeting. It was lovely. And part of what came to my mind as you spoke is that really the unification of humanity in support of the hierarchy is probably uh, the, the centerpiece of my vision for the future. Mm -hmm. uh, we were very fragmented at this time yeah. and uh, are having a difficult time treating one another with respect, love, and uh, showing our caring. So the, uh, the growth of our unity and the, uh, it starts it with ourselves, of course, and then moves through our family and into our community and ultimately into our world. And it includes our unity, not only with one another, but with where we live, with our planet. Yeah. And from that basis, I think we have the greatest chance of uh, achieving a better linkage with hierarchy and ultimately with Shambhala. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that really sums it up. Um, establishing a unity within humanity. I guess we might ask, like, how do we do that? What practical steps can we take? And certainly we have many tools in our uh, toolkit through tools that the Tibetan has given us. So thank you. Uh, John, let me see if you can unmute. There you go, John. Thank you for unmuting yourself. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Kathy. Thanks so much for the wonderful presentation and for the vision that you have given to us of the tremendous cooperative effort that's taking place at this time um, between um, hierarchy and um, uh, humanity as it strives to align more closely with hierarchy. And then of course, as hierarchy and humanity strive to um, align and cooperate more fully with Shambhala. And I was so struck by that image that you had displayed there of um, the, um, the, the person with the arrow and shooting that beautiful lighted, um, that stream of light into um, the cosmos. And that struck me as the arrow of aspiration. And so we have to have, um, and we need to be aspiring toward um, those higher ideals and the expression of them. Um, and so it would seem that at this time, that ideal with which humanity is working is the greater, expression of right human relations between um, the body of humanity, as Tom was expressing, we need to strive and hold the vision of being a more united 
body of people who are living and on this planet Earth. And we've been told that the Christ can't truly make the planned reappearance until there has been a sufficient degree of right human relations established between people on earth. And so we see this tremendous tug of war occurring within the human family at this time um, in many ways as people who are holding this idea of greater a greater expression of right human relations and um, pushing and pushing to um, enable a, a greater implementation of this ideal within the human family. And so perhaps um, this is um, a key part of the vision right now um, that's being held by um, the new group workers um, as they strive to um, promote um, um, greater harmony amongst people. So thank you for that, Kathy. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, we all, we all seem to be thinking along the same lines and um, yeah, we can use our tools, right? We have uh, very practical tools, which I know you focus on much in your work of the as if technique, you know, as above, so below, all those many duels that you share with the students. Um, so thank you. John? Thank you, Kathy. John. I was contemplating how will this change occur? How does mm -hmm. this information become disseminated? Yeah. And two thoughts came to mind. If we look at traditionally how things have worked, it generally begins with book or books, whether that uh, are those who wrote down the works of the discourses of Plato. Uh, the thoughts of the Buddha, the thoughts of Jesus the Christ when he was here. And often those are impressed, impressed upon society. But it, I thought, if we look at two historical parallels, the first is mathematics, the higher abstract mind. Both Newton and Leibniz discovered what we now know as integral calculus at the same time. Mm but quite independently of mm -hmm. one another, separated by hundreds of miles before they're you know, in any communication, but yet at virtually the, the same, same day, same months, and same you know, year. Wow. And you can tell how ideas are impressed. That's also happened with other scientific events. A little closer to home that may resonate somewhat more with us is this wave that overtook the planet at the beginning of the time of the forerunner called rock and roll, how this sound, this one, this art form, when it appeared, people wanted to be part of it. They didn't have to be coerced, incentivized. They just, you know, one encounter, it's like, yes, I'm part of this. So it is to be hoped that perhaps in the same fashion, these ideals will just universally appear maybe you know with a few proponents here and there but people will just sign on 
one last element as it's November 22nd and I'm coming to you from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. The words from the State of the Union from John F. Kennedy, his last State of the Union in 1963, President Kennedy said, for the unity of freedom has never relied on uniformity of opinion. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what stands out, one of the qualities that stands out when, when we're asked to consider the new group of world servers, that many of those members might have ideas and ideals that are quite contrary to what ours might be. And so we're all part of it. We're all contributing our part to this great um, center of humanity. So thanks so much, John. Really Thank you. It. Um, Charles, let's see. Um, hello, Charles. Yes, thank you. Um, I think there's one thing that's really important for all of us to keep in our consciousness in a daily way would be that there's only one thing that really links us that we all share, and that is that we're all human. Yeah. And that very basic thought is, I think, going to be the basis of what does unite us, because that's an indisputable fact. Everything else is the diversity that distinguishes us. And you can see at the root of every problem that man has encountered since history began is that there is a sense of identity with our diversity instead of the one and only thing that we share, which is our shared humanity, that sameness that connects us. Mm -hmm. And I think for anybody that follows astrology, we will see as Pluto goes into Aquarius that that realization will then become more of a daily truth. And I think we will start to see the upswing of this real soon. Okay, I think that we went down into the depths of individualism based on anything except our humanity. And now I think we're going to rise to that. And the underlying truth of our shared humanity being that we are, of course, all souls. I don't know if that's going to enter into consciousness for a while, but the fact and indisputable fact that we are all human can, and it can unite us to eliminate every and any aspect of harm, which is where we will draw our strength and become further united. And I think that that is where you will see us go by the conclave and then moving past it. I think it's going to be that one particular point that is so accessible that nobody can deny. Yeah, and we'll probably come into a deeper realization of what it actually means to be human and the gift of it. So, yeah, that's thank you for sharing those thoughts. Very interesting. Thank you. Okay, let's see. Um, Steve, um, let me try. Hi, Steve. Hi, Kathy. Can you hear me? Yes. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. That was a lovely talk. And it's a, it's a lovely theme. I love this idea, what role does vision play? Because really vision is what we see and how we see. And the thing to me is that 
if you look at the time from when DK was writing and now the way in which the human vision has changed is unbelievable. And to me, the most perfect symbol of the way that vision is changing was in the beautiful talk that John Fullerton gave at the seminar, um, was it last month? And, and um, where he spoke about the, this whole new way of thinking about economics, which sees the entire system as a living system. And when you look at the influence that these various thinkers are having, looking at living systems, and the number of times that these thinkers use the term right relationships, which John Fullerton did as one of the primary principles around which a new economics is beginning to be organized. To me, it's, it's like hearing DK. Um, mm. And so that for me is, is, is the really to affirm that this new vision is occurring. And the more we see it, the more we begin to see it, the more we see it all around us and at every level, like mm -hmm. at a, in our neighborhood. Yeah, you were breaking up there. I couldn't hear your last. Uh... Oh, well, maybe... just uh, the, the more that um, we affirm what we see, the more we begin to see it and the more we see it both at the level of intellectual thought, at the level of our professions, but also at the level of our neighborhood. That to me is where we really have to look our neighbors, you know, who lives next door, um, the little bit we know about them, and where do we see the plan at work in their lives and in our lives together as a communities. To me, those two, those two things are really changing the way we see the world. Yeah, that dovetails with what Charles was just sharing, that we have to embrace our humanity. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because we have a tendency um, to always be abstracting perhaps into the higher realms, but it's now we're called upon, especially at these new moon mm. um, interludes to really ground the energies in, in humanity and the lower kingdoms in nature. That's exactly right. And, you know, there's a thing DK says about how the occult community are the, the most difficult community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's because of this issue, because of the occult community so often sees itself as separate from humanity. Mm -hmm. That's why I like this thing of thinking about your neighbors, because <laughs> there you just think we're a group of fellow human beings mm -hmm. and the plan is living through us. Um, so how, what's it doing? What's, what's it up to? What's it stirring? What's, what crises is it producing? I really like that way of thinking. Yeah, it, it, it relates again to, I think, what Charles was saying in, in terms of, you know, when Pluto goes through any sign, it tends to cut away the non-essentials mm -hmm. that are associated with that sign. So we're moving through the final stage of its transit through Capricorn, which is related to our attitudes towards money, but also towards mm -hmm. um, the higher realms and the light, supernal. Mm -hmm. But then I think as it moves, just starts to move through the beginning of Aquarius, it might help, it might serve 
to dispel some of the glamours and illusions which we hold about the Aquarian age and what, you know, bring it down and make it more real, um, chisel off the, yeah. you know, the fantasy about this yeah. utopian society that mm -hmm. Aquarian age will usher in and mm -hmm. come to see what the really hard Saturnian work mm -hmm. that will be needed to forge a new civilization. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that, Kathy. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, David. Hello, David. Can you hear me, Kathy? Yes. Hi. Great. Uh, I can't help but think of forerunners we've had in the past who were probably first in in their their time to introduce the basic principles of right human relations. People like Moses, who gave us the Ten Commandments, uh, is probably the first to, to lay the groundwork for right human relations. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, okay, we're almost out of time. So Charles has his hand up. Um, Let's see. Hello, Charles. Quick comment. Yes, uh, real quickly, for um, just following the Pluto and Aquarius um, uh, uh, string here, it, it's really important, and it's very, very easy to get just overwhelmed by the divisiveness and the amount of vitriol that's in our everyday life. But for anybody that does know any of the astrology here, with that Pluto and Aquarius. It is trine Uranus in Gemini, mm. which means that we are going to see at right after the conclave and then for at least a couple of years, that trine, meaning that there is going to be a renaissance. It'll be in communication. It will be in um, the areas of humanity. So when this overwhelms us, and I just wanted to add this as a positive thought, all we have to do is remember that. And that's our future. That's what we're doing in our area of service to bring us to that point where we will be soaring exponentially. And that's the positive part of what is just right around the corner. Thank you. Thank you. So there's so many comments and uh, thoughts that I'm sure will be wonderful to read after the meeting. So I'm sorry that we couldn't address them, but... We will uh, read them and really con you're contributing through your thoughts there. And I just wanted to add one final closing thought, which I forgot to mention earlier in relation to this stage of the forerunner in 2025. There's another added bonus to this, um, this period in that we know that- also that time. Excuse me. Um, David, you're unmuted. Okay. Um, we know that every seven years, there is a festival week of the new group of world servers, and the next one occurs in December of 2026. So we are really blessed with that because it also coincides with a full moon. And the Tibetan has said that whenever the festival week coincides with a full moon, the opportunities are exponential. And so you know, that's a something really positive to keep in mind. So let's now just 
Um, let's see here. We have to announce our upcoming medium, medium meetings. Excuse me. Uh, the Sagittarius full moon meeting will occur on Wednesday, December 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in our offices. And we encourage those of you who can come to be present on the physical plane. Um, and we'll still do a hybrid Zoom meeting as well. So please uh, do what you can to come. And then the Capricorn new moon meeting will be held as a Zoom meeting um, on Friday, December 23rd, 2022 at 6 p.m. So thank you all again. Let's just end our work today with a brief moment of silence to again link up with all groups and the wider group of world servers. Thank you.